Hi, and welcome to the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. I'm your host, Christian Klepp, and one of the founders of I'm Blake Consulting. Our goal is to share inspirational stories, tips, and insights from B2B marketers, digital entrepreneurs, and industry experts that will help you to think differently, succeed, and scale your business. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode three of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. I'm your host, Christian Klepp, and today I'm thrilled to have Mark Trelevin join me. Mark, herzlich willkommen. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks, Christian. Vielen Dank. This is going to be fun. And I said I'm not going to speak too much German during the podcast, but that's, that's great. It's absolutely how we no problem. No problem. Yeah. All right, Mark. Well, let's just hop right to it. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do? Sure. Perfect. Thank you. Um, and thanks for inviting me on this, Christian. We've we've gotten to know each other over the last couple of months and uh, Pleasure. We, we've talked about this kind of podcasting and, you know, kind of get on an interview because some of the things that you and I uncover while just having our chats are, are pretty gold. So sure. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm Mark Trelevin. Um, I've been in IT since 1988 uh, when I was about 18 years old. And um I'm uh, based in Toronto, but I've spent the quarantine in Nova Scotia, which has been really exciting. And uh, we're kind of heading back to town pretty soon as things are kind of opening up. And um, I have family out here and it's just been a, you know, sort of a outdoor paradise compared to just being stuck in the city. So um, I've been around the world. I've lived in Europe for about seven years of my life. I've lived in Asia, in Singapore for work. And um yeah, I worked with major companies, uh, you know, got a lot of history in Toronto, helped found the Indigo Books and Music, and uh, worked at Bell Mobility, Hoop, uh, Hospital of Insurance, Ontario's insurance plans. And um, what else? I guess the big ones would be McKinsey and Company for about three years, and then PwC off and on for like 12 years. And I left PwC. It's an interesting thing, like going to these huge companies and then coming out and being... I started my own boutique uh, firm a couple, of, I don't know, about in 2016 and really applying all of those sort of big firm learnings down to really fun and actually challenging, awesome work with my clients. So I really kind of simplify and bring, I help my clients really understand what's happening in the industry and whatever they're dealing with technologically, I'm able to really keep them focused and keep them positive about things and, and really deliver on the vision that they have. It's really fun. That's fantastic, Mark. And that's quite the uh, magnificent life that you've, uh, that you've led, you know, with, um, yeah. you know, having lived and worked around the world and, uh, you know, you're all, all the better for it. Mm-hmm, exactly. I think that's right. part of what, you know, attracted, you know, our conversations are always got a global focus. And I, I think we can yeah. act locally. And obviously, we're kind of acting in little silos right now. But we can yeah. see the impact of global globalization and global thinking and, and really, you know, that we're all on this little blue dot having a good time. <laughs> Indeed, indeed. Uh, let me just quickly circle back to, you know, your, your current company. It's, it's called Brand mm-hmm. Sandwich, am I right? Yeah, Brand Sandwich Communications, a partner and I. Great. So how did you, you know, what motivated you to start that, like, you know, and, and, and take that leap of faith, you know, in, in, into the world of entrepreneurship? Yeah, really great. Thank you. Um, I think one of the main motivators was the, the, 
speed at which things could get executed in the larger organizations. It's not really an indictment on any one. It literally is all of them. Um, there's an independence that comes with consulting. And I've been a consultant since I was 18, 19 years old. And mm-hmm. really like getting something done very quickly is does not have to have that kind of pomp and circumstance of a major project inside an organization. So there's that. And I think the innovation... Um, the bend that I have towards innovation and the newer technologies was was slower to kind of influence in the larger shift. So as soon as I left, I got called back as one of the blockchain experts in the in the industry. I got called back to have you know client conversations around blockchain, which was really cool because moving from an internal to a client facing role like that is pretty rare. And uh, but I'm also very comfortable out there having the conversations with people about and simplifying major you know, disruptive technologies such as, you know, blockchain in 2016. Um, we can have a whole podcast on just like what it, where it's come from in the last five years. But uh, yeah. artificial intelligence, computer vision, um, you know, the crypto world, but also um, distributed ledger technologies are, are very powerful and, and fun to um, explore. And not just, I don't know, I think there's there's something about the speed at which that I wanted to act and the the impact I could have was diminished in in that larger environment. So interestingly, by going small, I can have a bigger impact. Absolutely. I, and I mean, you know, certainly going down that path was not without its own set of challenges, but it <laughs> was definitely a, a much more rewarding experience, wouldn't you mm. say? Yeah, I mean, everything's pretty rewarding, I got to say. It was, I'm very proud of the work that we've done and, and the things I've helped build, like Indigo and stuff like that. There's a, mm-hmm. there's a lot of really great and powerful things. The other thing I would say about entrepreneurship or making that leap wasn't that hard. All my friends and all the people that I've worked with before and the, the reputation I have is still with me. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And that's, mm-hmm. been, that's a great experience to go out on your own but no, not feel alone at all. It's really cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I mean, definitely we're, we, we were going to talk about this, uh, this topic, but, you know, from one day to the next, the world had just suddenly turned upside down, right? <laughs> and, and, and short of stating the obvious, I mean, you know, everything right now in, in the current state of global affairs, I mean, you, you, you can pretty much say that things are very far from business as usual. Mm-hmm. So, you know, almost overnight, companies have had to make that switch to working remotely. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of them have also migrated a s- substantial amount of their operations online. Mm-hmm. So before I go on to my next question, just let me uh, let me highlight some statistics that I've um, that I've uh, found. So, sure. so according to StatsCan, as the COVID-19 outbreak began, um, you know, sometime in late, late March, um, Almost 40% of Canadian employees um, started to work from home. So that's approximately 5 million workers that shifted to home working arrangements, mm-hmm. right? And south of the border in the United States, um, at that time, there were already 7 million people that were working remotely. So that was about 3.4% of the population. And that was according to a research done by a firm called Gallup. Mm-hmm. And undoubtedly, that number has increased uh, <laughs> since, right? And then uh, Harvard Business Review uh, released an article, which I wouldn't say it's stating the obvious, but it's also saying that, you know, this this switch 
um, you know, to working uh, from home or working remotely. Of course, it presents its own set of challenges. And mm -hmm. some of the ones that they've listed here are, you know, lack of face-to-face uh, -face supervision, especially amongst, you know, larger organizations. Um, lack of access to information. Mm -hmm. um, social isolation. And one that I can certainly uh, relate to is um, distractions at home. Because, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of people out there that are, you know, stuck at home with their children, with family and so forth. Right? Mm -hmm. um, so just from your own personal experience, um, you know, what are the some of the um, what are some of the challenges that you've seen your clients go through as they make that switch to remote work? And, uh, you know, how have you helped them overcome these challenges? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, it's a great it's a great question. And I think like. I know we're going to talk about the new normal later, but the the idea yeah. that you, I think the world's just turned itself on its ear. The idea of the commute as a valuable <laughs> time spending, um, you know, the access to more information, I think is a really key one of those challenges. Um, I think one of the things that I've been really clear with my clients is to keep your communications wide the heck open. Here is what our our you know policies are around this, that, and the other thing. And then so speak to your speak to the employees and speak to the people and the teams and the and the groups and have them really see what kind of puzzle piece they fit into the vision of the whole organization. Massive massive thing. Um, one of my clients, one of their biggest challenges was not being able to pay their vendors for a couple of weeks, almost a month. And because there was a lockdown or whatever, there was no physical access to the check printing machine, which is like some archaic, you know, really nice triple bonded, blah, 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 great solution in, in a vacuum. But really when you saw that that was the single point of contact or failure that that client had, how to safely get the person in there to go and do the checks. But actually it was just a very simple shift of identifying which vendors we have and ETF, you know, electronic or EFT situation with and having, you know, the conversation with the bank around getting everybody up onto that platform. And so the digitization and the move to the cloud, I think, is kind of something I'll come back to. And it's obvious it's not just a, a little bit of a trend. Um, it's massive. And I think that's one of the biggest things is like, OK, let's stop being afraid of our data out there. Let's stop being afraid of, you know, somebody coming in with the penetration test or whatever and um you know having your vpn your virtual private networking allow the home experience to to mimic the in-office security so balancing those three things but i think what I'm, I'm pointing to is like let's get the fear out of the way there was fear of change there was fear to you know disrupt what was working and there's a, a set you know sort of platitude or, or like an easy way to stay stay the course if it's not broken everything got broken even taxes got broken <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> like we should take yeah. advantage of this time and that's what i've been you know working with my clients to get them all digitized anything that they've got in a friction filled environment is to really be ruthless on yourself look internally and check what what are the processes that are just broken right now 
And how is it? And who have I not been listening to <laughs> about how to get this thing to the next level? And what was I afraid of? A, you know, a five-year-old project that failed to move your CRM up into the cloud doesn't mean you don't need a CRM. And it does mean that that team that handled your vendor-client relations is now sort of hobbled or, or disconnected from reality. And that's what I think a lot of my clients and the business leaders I've been speaking to are like, they're, they're really ready to take on that ruthlessness of internally looking. What is it that's broken and how do I find a mark, find a trusted advisor that knows about the things that I don't need to know everything about CRM systems or going to the cloud or, you know, how my backend integration and securing um, my VPN. I don't need to know and learn all of that stuff. I need to have somebody help and walk me through it. And I think that's kind of a theme for some of this discussion today is like really grasp that you don't have to learn everything about it and that what your past experience has nothing to do with what you're actually capable of now. Those were incredible insights, Mark. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. Um, I think, you, you know, you touched on um, several topics, which I, I believe would resonate with the listeners. I mean, like one, one of them being, of course, um, you know, keeping that communication line open. I mean, this is not, this is not the time to have a kind of like a cloak and dagger culture, right? So um, the other one that you that you touched on was like um, embracing uh, embracing the change and the advancement of digitalization, and not to um, you know not to put up this barrier or this resistance to it. Yeah, and look at what you've been afraid of too. I think you touched on it right there. It's like let's let's revisit and and just now that everything's kind of tossed up in the air, let's let's figure out what what is working and not working for us. The other thing about communications I wanted, and you said the cloak and dagger, I definitely wanted to mention that um, there's a real tendency in this, that Harvard Harvard uh, Business Review thing too, about supervision and face-to-face -face access to information. Yeah. You, there is a real pitfall with using some of these key logging and attention, you know, um, take over the laptop camera and see if someone's paying attention during the meetings. There's a lot of big brother um, opportunities that I think should be a hundred percent avoided and be clear about anything that you're doing or expectations around when you expect people to be available. But like you said, and it ties to the distractions things too, is that I've seen a really powerful shift in communication of here's when I'm available, here's when I'm not available, and here's how I'm going to like show my do not disturb on and not book meetings and use Calendly and use your tools, use the digitization of, of your day. If you're more productive in the morning, then get up and get that done before breakfast chaos exactly. you know? yeah. like, but, but be in a conversation right. and really clear about what you're producing that day and what's expected of you is a match that is like so so critical and you do not have to put any big brother tips into there that would just be disastrous right right no that's that's uh, that's exactly right i mean i i, I find myself um you know do, doing some of these things too where i just make sure that i i get a certain amount of work done like say before lunchtime mm -hmm. and then at the afternoon you know you allocate a certain amount of hours to having calls yeah. uh, working on proposals um doing research you know so it's a it, it it became a little bit more of a uh more effective uh way to manage your time um, yeah really get in and i think that's another myth that this you know, pandemic has really shooken our sense of time up. 
when are we productive? How long does things take? How, what is the cost of opening that social media app for 10 minutes? Like what, where did you go? You know, the, your attention span. And, and, um, yeah. I use a lot of tools like to help me keep focused. I, I definitely put on the deep focus binaural beats. Um, those YouTube videos are, and well, audio really is just really a powerful way for me to use that. There's another um, app on my phone that does sort of quiet noises for 15 minutes. So set those timers, set your intention, get that focused, um, you know, in there and really try and, you know, take that time. Maybe it's 45 minutes in the hour and then get outside. <laughs> yeah. you know me? I'm always outside and I really yeah. like half of our, half of my zoom calls are with an ocean view. I'm very lucky. <laughs> right. But it well, really just getting that balance between being in a bunker and being, you know, sort of just try and figure out how to get outside and what works for you. Indeed, indeed. And, you know, especially now that the weather has um, gotten um, yeah. a little bit warmer. And, you know, for those of us who are deprived of an ocean view, you, you know, you can probably just set, set your desktop screensaver to yeah. a view of the Pacific Ocean. Right. Uh, what is those virtual desktops on Zoom or whatever. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it might look like a balcony. It might look like a walk around the block. It might look like, you know, whatever. Yes. whatever. Even the, the looking forward to something is mm. is a powerful motivator for that type of, uh, you know, the kind of new stress we're under. Mm -hmm. Exactly. No, I love it. I love it. Um, Mark, let me try to do this because you've touched on some of these topics already. I'm going to try to like wrap um, uh, this uh, two questions into one. Sure. And, uh, and um, well, let, let's, let's go at it that way. So one is about like, you know, you spoke about um, digital trends. So I guess the first question was really about like, you know, what are some of the interesting trends that you've seen coming out of this recent digital migration, number one. And number two, we were uh, discussing the topic of, um, you know, getting over that fear of um, digitalization and that resistance to change. And, you know, what your advice would be to, you know, people who are still doubting whether this is all still worth it because it might be a, a budget issue or a bandwidth issue or whatever other concerns that they have. Yeah, really good. Okay. So number one, the trends, I think um, the tools are evolving and they've been here, but it's like the adoption has not been there. I think one of the things I'm very proud of is the PwC's transition to work from home um, during this time. I've got still got lots of great friends there and everything. They were like, um, wasn't even a blip on my radar. I was four days a, a week at home already. So we had already kind of instituted that cultural change and that shift. So I think that, you know, watching what the bigger people are doing and then not being afraid, this is kind of my premise of my business, not being afraid to apply it to the smaller organizations. You can take advantage of all of the investing and um, investment and crazy developments that's happened over the last few years to get things like tools like Slack up and running, Trello. So communications tools, like how do you, the old status report <laughs> that you used to fill out in hmm. Excel is pretty dead. There's a lot of very, very powerful um, real-time tools that allow yeah. teams to be very, very clear about where the roadblocks are, where the issues are happening. And it doesn't have to, you know, wait till tomorrow's stand-up meeting or the or the right. monthly town hall with your with your leadership you know you can instantly get at and understand what where the hell anything is right now and that's right. really exciting i think the digitization of information and status is not as hard as it used to be to figure out 
you're literally taking a widget from A to delivering it to your client for at C or D or E or whatever it is. When you can see where it is in those steps and who's got the ball, who's got mm. the football, it's it's a that's a shift that I think is um, highlighting why the digitization is kind of just naturally occurring. Right. So it's almost, a, you can almost say it's a natural evolution in the in the world of working, at least anyway. It better be, or else yeah. you're definitely left behind and in the dark. I mean, yeah. really, when you think about, it's not easy to implement these tools. People despise oh, them sometimes, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. there's pitfalls, no question. But again, I'm going to go to the trusted advisor mode and say, this is this is where you have the pitfalls and, and the tips and trends and things like that, that when having someone who's got the finger on the pulse of what's going can listen to what your challenge is. And maybe it's status, maybe it's, you know, capturing. I think one of the things I wanted to mention is personal promises are so powerful right now. When you say to a room full of a Zoom room of people that you will get that done by Friday, that, you know, in the development world, software development, we've been doing that forever. That's like the agile and the team-based, you know, right. execution is super powerful. And if you're if you're struggling with your promise to raise your hand as soon as possible, we're in a world where that is, you know, digitally very simple to have the support you need on getting your personal promises done. And I, I think that when we get to that micro level that we're just people interacting and that the, you know, you're, you're set in your canvas and you're, you're clear on the vision and where you fit in and as the puzzle piece, then those promises can be really, really powerful. And you can be like, holy crap, this is so much easier than I thought it was going to be. Right. And I'm more productive and I'm happier and I'm, I'm done at three thirty, you know, or whatever it is. And I can hang with the kids or, or whatever. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's it was all of those things. And, you know, for example, Zoom's got that feature where you can record the call. Yeah. Right. So it saves you the trouble of having to, like, you know, um, cough up, um, you know, some meeting minutes and send it to everybody after the call because it's all it's all been documented already. Yeah, really good. And I also think like things like um, Dropbox paper. I don't know if, if people have heard right. of it, but literally one of the coolest new uh, digital creation content creation uh, mechanisms it's hard to describe it's it's called paper and it's hard to describe imagine but it really is like a, a real-time document documentable assignment tool where everybody's editing at the exact same time very very powerful um connections there there's to do's there's calendars there's you know you can pop a video right in. So if you refer to something in a, in a meeting, you don't have to remember to send it out to people. You right. literally put an at symbol to mark that by Friday, and it, it gets all this stuff. Like by Friday, yeah. I'm going to send Christian that awesome binaural beats YouTube video. You actually just copy paste it right into the document. Everybody has it from now on. And it's right. completely searchable and fun. So things like that, where it, it's like a paradigm just got broken. I don't have a Word document with a template for my meeting minutes that had URLs in it, but no one's ever going to go back and read them. You know, it's like real time, simultaneous editing, things that kind of blow your paradigm for how things used to go. That's yeah. a really powerful one. Uh, absolutely. Well, first of all, that, and secondly, it saves you the time of like having like 
type up all those meaning minutes afterwards yeah. and then just uh, just send them across, right? So Yeah, and here I've got go. a piece of paper right in front of me and I'm scribbling away, but, you know, <laughs> but that helps me stay focused on the questions and the conversation, right? So Absolutely. find your tools that work find for your you. Tools. That's right. Great. Um, so, you know, there's um, there's another concern that a lot of B2B businesses and um, digital entrepreneurs will have, you know, like mm-hmm. um, in terms of like, moving to closer towards digitalization. And that's, of course, things like, you know, the loss of productivity, motivation, and there's a certain degree of disruption that will take place if they do make a switch. Mm-hmm. So what do you think companies can do to ensure that the switch goes um, smoothly? And, and you know, like, um, just keeping in mind that there is no such thing as like 100% guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? I think you should be ready for it to not go smoothly. I think being prepared to have a work stream that just catches the the challenges that you're facing. Like to have someone who's tasked with, I want you to watch us during this process. You know, I want you to, yeah. to interrupt me and tell me on, you know, a certain time or whatever pace you can handle, but really like embrace the problems that you have because that'll help you to really shape what's going to be successful long-term. Just like anything, when you're starting it, you've got a lot of assumptions. And, and if you go in thinking your assumptions are, are correct, you're, you're pretty likely to stumble and fall. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, kind of to answer the second part of your master of question is, what is that fear? What is that based on? Let's examine it. Put it out on the table. Have a conversation. The last project we did that that smelled like this sucked. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it was awful. And, and uh, you know, 14 people are not here anymore because of that project or whatever it is, you know, like deal with that, get it up on the plate and, and say, well, I'm assembling something. And that was, you know, X, here's why that was X. And this is why here's how we put up work stream and, and Bob over here in the corner, it's going to be you know, <laughs> Bob's our, our uh, sheriff for, for making sure that we catch these pitfalls that we know are already on the plate, but we're not stopping. Right. That's the other thing too is leadership has that acting in the face of the uncertain and sort of unknown and fearful. But really set yourself up for success by putting in the systems that are going to catch not only like the failure before it happens, but really the learnings that you're catching along the way. Don't don't think that everything's gonna go smooth in one month and then you know you've entirely disrupted your you know ar processes or something like exactly, that exactly exactly and you know it all it all boils down to um you know um accountability yeah. um ownership and you know the concept of um you know as cliche as it sounds listen guys we're all in this together yeah we we, we need to we need to try to make this work so you know let's uh let's help each other out well and being clear on what's not working with how it currently is like if people right. are really stuck with the way things were before covid they're mm. they can't be stuck in the old yeah. you know what i mean yeah. the paradigms that have been forced to change so i think the you know the the last tool we used that was big brothery and watching what we were doing and people didn't fill out their status reports and change their mm. states and things like that or there's always crickets at the at the meetings or whatever there's gonna be that <laughs> Listen to it, capture it, and say, what was it that was in your way that you didn't feel safe or, or that we were listening to how you you know, saw things going off the rails ahead of time? Perfect. Let's put something in place. You're in charge of that. <laughs> right, right. Give more stuff. Give people different things. I think is really yeah. valuable, too. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's awesome. 
Hey, it's Christian Klepp here. We'll get back to the episode in a second, but first, is your brand struggling to cut through the noise? Are you trying to find more effective ways to reach your target audience and boost sales? Are you trying to pivot your business? If so, book a call with Einblick Consulting. Our experienced consultants will work with you to help your B2B business to succeed and scale. Go to www.einblick.co for more information. Yeah, so, you know, I, I recently attended a virtual event um, that was hosted by the Toronto Network of um, uh, the Customer Experience Professionals Association, or otherwise known as CXPA. So yeah. this is probably uh, one of a few um, events that they've already hosted virtually. And, you know, prior to COVID, this was all like in person, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you'd get all these people into a room and then you'd have the, these events and now they've completely shifted it to online. Um, mm-hmm. which, 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 uh, which worked out really well. Um, so there were a lot of great takeaways from that session, but I think one of the, one of the, uh, takeaways that really stood out, um, in my mind was that they were saying that now is truly the time of the customer because of the constant, um, the innovation and the digitalization, the rapid advancement of the digitalization that has come out of this, uh, crisis, um, that the expectations of the customer, you know, have now been elevated. So mm-hmm. in your opinion, how do you think that tech and digitalization can help to address these elevated expectations that customers have? Yeah, I, I think I'm going to push back a little bit. I think the elevation of customer experience is kind of a little backwards too. It, when you actually think about what we'll put up with, it's okay to get your your Amazon package in two weeks because you know the PPE is on the the you know the first ten buck trucks or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think I think what part of what the disruption here is that the the normalization or the expectation of instant gratification and instant you know uh, what would you call it like entertainment even around things the entertaining part of of a of an experience of going into a store and having somebody bring you green tea or whatever, all of that stuff. I think it's kind of gone the other way. People are pretty realistic about what it is. So I think there's a couple of answers to your question. Number one is communication. Your digitization of your communication of status of where things are for Mm -hmm. the client is definitely a new bar. Like there's just a new floor for how much you need to be really clear on, on what you're delivering to them when, right? Right. I think that's a, a really key part of this customer experience is um, the communication that you're doing. And there's no reason to have any kind of manual processes around that. There's so much opportunity for automation of sequences and, and timing. And really, I think the message, the other answer I would give is just put yourself in the customer's shoes. To do the hard looking of what was that experience like for that person such that I got that level of a complaint or that, you know, this is the part of the pipeline where they're dropping off. And that how expensive that is to your business is like something that has to be looked at right now. There's such a good opportunity to look at where your where your clients are dropping off and what they're telling you even in your website, all the data analytics, it's not that sexy. It can be pretty fun. Like you can ask some really powerful questions, but literally look through the logs as to when people are getting out of your pipelines and being responsible for that. That's that's what I think is the opportunity is to say, wow, that really does land like 
a push or a, you know, a, or two weeks dark on this process on the thousand dollar transaction or something like that is not acceptable. Now, I wouldn't put up with that from my grocery store or from my, you know, service Ontario or whatever. We we do have an elevated sense of I want to I want to understand where things are and if you need anything from me that you're clearly telling me what it is you need from me at this moment. And otherwise, I'm just counting on you to keep your word. Right. Oh, that's fantastic. And I mean, like, although um, you, you did speak at length about, um, you know, um, aspects of the customer experience that are consumer focused, I mean, these principles can also apply in the world of B2B. 100%. I mean, you know, some of the things that you mentioned definitely resonate in that. In that yeah, I only deal in B2B, honestly. Like, right. I was trying to think about that. Like, what are, do I have any B2C projects right now? No, everything is about being clear about where I am and where you are and who's got the football. That kind mm. of clarity of what, you know, where I need you to add value right now is this department X, you know, and where I need you to not go dark is this department Y. And then client, I'm going to be telling you, hey, you know, client, this is where I'm at. And here's what my expectations are from you too. Exactly. Yeah. That's totally B2B situation. I think, yeah, I use grocery store, but that again, we are B2B, but we're also just the same people. We are C's everywhere else in our lives, right? Absolutely. It's very Absolutely. fun. Great. Um, you, you know, Mark, everybody's, you know, obviously talking at length about, you know, the current situation or the current crisis, if you will, um, in all the problems that it's caused. And, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're clearly facing something that's of an unprecedented scale, and we know that. But... Mm-hmm. Um, Let's try to look at it from a more positive perspective, and that and that positive perspective is that this crisis, to you know, go, going back to some of the things that you've uh, spoken about in the past couple of minutes, it's also really like propelled innovation forward. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, in your in, you know, from from your experience and in your professional opinion, what potential do you believe is out there for B two B marketers and entrepreneurs, or even organizations at large? to improve their product and service offers through innovation? Yeah, I think, you know, the one of the really powerful things that I got out of this, and I was on a couple of different webinars and, and different levels of people from an organization were participating. And there was like an opportunity with the, the person leading the webinars to like explain what what's basically been challenging you and all levels of the organization from the C-suite to the VPs, to the managers, to the employee who's being, you know, asked to reduce their time, the the disruption and the, the pace of change was something that, you know, I think it's calming down now as things start to open up, but that pace mm. of change was super disruptive for people, not knowing the unknown. So having, I mean, it's, it's, kind of not answering your question, but I think that that talking and listening to your people from all levels and understanding, like even your clients, if you're just like me, I'm a, you know, small company, but my clients, I want to hear from them. What are their pain points? What's changed for them and what's actually stayed the same? So I think there's like a couple of spins to, to answer your question. Mm. Is like If you can actually get at that you're providing, you're moving your football from here to here, and that's what your your gig is or your job or your puzzle piece in the organization. Are you good at that? Are you enjoying that? We literally have an opportunity to disrupt the heck out of ourselves 
I personally am in the middle of that because I left two great apartments in Toronto, my girlfriend's and mine, and I just gave notice on June 1st or whatever to give mine up. All mm. my stuff's still there. Are we allowed to swear? Um, <laughs> all my stuff is still in, Try not to. <laughs> yeah, you know, in that apartment. It, but I don't, I, I'm like literally questioning where do I need to be to have this kind of business transaction and business input and impact that I want to have in the world. And the answer is anywhere with Wi-Fi. <laughs> so, good, powerful Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah, good, powerful, consistent Wi-Fi. Exactly. And that, I mean, I've got a good friend, Dave Sheedy. Shout out to uh, his project to get rural um, high-speed internet out there for very, very cheap. Like this is a really, when you look at where do you want to live in the city? Where do you lo- want to live in the country? What kind of place in the world do you want to be? You guys wouldn't know that I'm in Nova Scotia. It doesn't matter. I'm still having an impact on the world, no matter where I am. So Molly and I are like digital nomad life. We're mm. really planning for that. I've got a bunch of things to do and clean up and have fun on, in the summer in Toronto. And then we'll see you later. <laughs> you know, I just need some Wi-Fi. So yeah. I don't know. Like, I think challenge everything. Find what you love, what you love about what you love about what you're doing. And then also like look back and be with your partners and your family and, and look at what is really, really powerfully important to you right now and just roll with whatever you come up with. <laughs> you know, that's me. my advice. Have fun with whatever you're doing. Cause if it's no fun, I mean, it was no fun driving across the 401 every day. I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> right. I believe it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, just take this opportunity to kind of reflect. I, I wanted to mention self-care too. I think it's not mm. like my bailiwick or anything like that, but I've totally succumbed to the fact that, like surrendered to the fact that this is actually super important. Your time, oh, yeah. your time and brain power can be focused and it could be not focused and you could be grumpy and you can be powerful and you can look at when and what happened to have all that you know, what's working for yourself and just really be Mm. clear about that and communicate that to the people around you and then do it. Meditate. Amazing. Whatever, you know, (laughs) it's not IT, but it's, it's definitely, it's from experience, right? No, but, but mental health and then well-being is equally important, right? It's huge. You need need those to get through these times as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. and whatever, <laughs> it's like microdosing self-care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Sure>. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You, you touched upon this a little bit earlier, but um, I'm, I'm going to circle back to it, uh, back to it again. Um, so what do you believe is a new nor- normal that we're going to be returning to? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, honestly, I don't know if I knew I would probably invest in some, of these companies. I think the probably world right. Yeah. From, um, you know, we're going to be back on the patios. We're going to be slowly getting back to normal and, and hopefully, um, some sense of, of sort of normal, but I think people are kind of embracing the fact that there's, there's been a gateway that we just passed through and there's probably yeah. no going back. I think that that's something I would want to leave people with or talk about is like, how do you see your role on the planet right now from your living room, from your desk, from your stand up desk or from your backyard, 
on your porch? You know, where are you actually adding value and where are you, um, what do you enjoy? And look at that and then start to do those kinds of shifts that I was talking about that, you know, it, it is time to have your own, your side hustle that you've been dreaming about. It is time to, you know, represent yourself as, as a big company. You, you know, the little guys, you don't need a physical location to have right. an impact on, on what you're good at. And I think another thing I would, I would say is like, find your agency, find your personal brand, you know, that kind of stuff is really powerful, especially in B2B and marketing. Like I'm a marketer. I, it took me a while to like kind of match that, but I have to sell my projects. I have to sell the simplification. I have to sell that right. you want to invest in, in yourself and which direction you're going, but don't try and do it all. I think another thing that's come out of this is that there are a heck of a lot of smart people that are offering themselves to help and coach you. And yes. I think that like, it really is very, very powerful to get something that you're not necessarily, you don't have to be good at everything. Find the trusted advisor who understands things like, you know, what the next five years is going to look like for communications and, and tools and, you know, efficiencies and, and moving to, you know, cloud and security and things like that. Just find those trusted advisors. But even with, with ourselves, like find your fitness coach, find your, you know, shout out to Molly and the Get Real to Heal team, find your nutritionist that's really going to listen to you as, as the goals that you want to get and create for your life. And really, let's just start sharing our knowledge really like this, like on this podcast, even it's about, it's not about technology. It's not about just innovation. It's really about what are we doing? Like, how do you want to actually impact the world right now? Indeed. Indeed. Mark, this has been such an excellent session. I mean, you know, it was informative. It was insightful. It was thought-provoking. It was so you. <laughs> like, but, but, you know, thank you so much for, your, you know, for, for coming on and sharing. So uh, what's the best way for people out there to connect with you? Um, sure. Check out uh, brandsandwich.com. And I really have loved, I didn't talk about LinkedIn very much, but I really mm -hmm. did a you know, when I went out on my solo thing, I spent a lot of time on LinkedIn and there are connections to be made. There are people out there that are looking for you. They're looking for your talents and your uniqueness. Get out there and promote yourself and definitely everyone connect with me. Told, tell me that you found me with Christian's podcast or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm happy to join and, and continue the conversation with anybody about this. And if you do need that kind of trusted simplification of, of very complex, you know, integrations or, you know, moving from an old ERP system or upgrade, uh, you know, your idea is stuck in your brain. How do I get it out there to the market? You know, that kind of thing. I'm mm. really, that's, that's where I'm powerful. And I love, like, I love having an impact on people and I love creating things from nothing. That's why software is so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Mark, cool. thanks so much for your time. And I wish you and Molly the best of luck with your digital nomad life, but please yeah. do think about us you know, here in Toronto and do come and visit us once in a while. No, but, um, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. there might be some couch surfing going on or I'll pitch a tent in your backyard, Chris. <laughs> absolutely. No, Mark, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. To learn more about what we do here at Einblick, please visit our website at www.einblick.co. And be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player.